Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's all about perspective. Kelsey was at NWA 70 while I watched online. Coming up, here are differing takes on the show. Roman Reigns shocked the wrestling world with his announcement on Raw. We discuss the significance of what he said and how the wrestling world reacted. Evolution is on Sunday. What matches excite us and where did WWE drop the ball on this historic event? And more history is in the making on the high seas. We get you set for the Jericho Cruise with previews and our thoughts on Chris Jericho's career. It's all coming up next. WrestlingInc.com brings you two-faced wrestling talk. The podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in depth on ROH, NJPW, Impact, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as usual, by Paul. And I am ready and uh, (laughs) excited about uh, a historic weekend for uh, women's wrestling, a historic... uh, Weekend on the high seas for you, and yep. a historic weekend last weekend. Yeah, the NWA 70 show just took place, and we're really going to talk a lot about that, plus a, a couple of previews about some other stuff. But before we jump in, let's remind everyone, you could follow us on social media at TwoFacePod, T-W-O-F-A-C-E-D-P-O-D, and TwoFacePod.com, same spelling. That's where you could find all the different audio channels you can find us on, like Wrestling Inc., and their YouTube channel, and all their different audio platforms, all right there on a tab called Find the Pod. So that'll yep. be your go-to place to find us. And you can find her at Super Kicking It, and me at Pboron88. And, of course, we want to thank our friends at St. Arnold Brewing for their support of the show. But now it's time to give our opinions on the latest wrestling shows, news, and developments. It's time for Headlines. And as Kelsey mentioned, we're going to start with NWA 70. And uh, as I mentioned at the very beginning of the show, it's all about perspective. You told me it was a great show. It was a wonderful show. <laughs> I had a blast there. And I think I would have as well. But watching it on the app, not quite as good. Well, I got to say, I rewatched it as well. So having done that, I have two perspectives in one, in a way. I did think that, man, there was a lot of audio problems. I had heard the rumors of the audio problems, but I did not know that it was that in-depth, like, and throughout the whole entire show. It was pretty bad, but working in TV, both you and I, we know that's something that happens, even to experienced, you know, channels. Yes, but this was really, really bad. I mean... And, it is their first and, time and, having a show. I, I get in that. A long time. I get that. But it literally seemed like, and again, you know, I've been in the business now 25 years. It was like they didn't test anything. It's like they just rolled up to the arena and said, let's do a TV show. I mean, it was awful. 
the camera work was terrible, the audio was terrible, the directing was iffy. So it was it was hard from that perspective. But like you said, it's the first time they've put on an event. And look, it happens to the biggest companies. Tuesday night, I'm watching Sports Center before the World Series. In the first two minutes of the show, they didn't have any audio. All you heard was the director, you know, talking to all the crew. That's all you could hear. So it happens to the big boys. So it's not like, okay, this is the end of the world for NWA. But it was one of those shows where, you know, there were a lot of uh, maybe new people that might have been checking it out, like people who had seen All In and were like, all right, I want to see all this and Cody again. And boy, from that perspective, it, it was rough. Yeah, I mean, I could see your point, but it didn't hinder my enjoyment. Then again, I was, I have such a hard time relating to just having seen it on TV because I'm biased from being there. It was so much fun. Like, you know, when Aldous and Cody were brawling out in the crowd, that was incredible. And it just did not come off the same way. Like, the crowd didn't even come off as excited as we all were. Like, if you were in the room, it was actually really loud. But because of the audio issues, you couldn't tell that at all. It sounded kind of subdued. It wasn't like that, though. Now, that being said, NWA recognized the problem, and they've gone on. They posted this on Twitter that they have fixed it on Fight TV. So now if you go back and watch the show, it is in its correct audio format. So good job by them fixing that. And look, they knew there was a problem right after the show. Yeah, Billy Corgan even put a message out on Instagram saying how he was not happy at all with the production problems. And it was unacceptable. So clearly he took these issues very, very seriously. So I give it to him that he cared enough to send out a message about it right away. Yeah, we've obviously been part of uh, some other wrestling things where they haven't owned up to mistakes that were made, so kudos to NWA for that. Well, you were in the audience, so you didn't even have to worry about the audio issues, and obviously that was a lot of fun. It was so awesome. Aldous and Cody were right by me. When they went over the barricades, Cody was like, move! And like <laughs> ran out the way. I yeah, almost see, didn't make it. You can see it in the broadcast You with a big grin kind of scurrying out of the way it's pretty funny i almost like fell and like my purse was right by them like i left my purse there and they were i didn't tell you that they were brawling right by my purse i'm like stuff's gonna get crushed in my purse it was crazy (laughs) then my chair was gone for the rest of the night there was trash everywhere because you know the garbage can that was one of my favorite parts cody using the garbage and actual garbage spilled out all over the place another favorite part of the night I really love the women's match. And I know you said you have a different opinion. You were kind of disappointed in what you saw from it. But I loved it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Being there, it just came off so much better. I can't explain it. Yeah. Again, I I, I, I will defer to you because you were there. Um, yeah, there's the two perspectives on that. When you're there, you always think something's better. You know, and, and so maybe that is the case. Or maybe it was legitimately better than it was portrayed. But uh, it was a little iffy for me, for sure. And, and. You know, as we kind of go through the show a little bit, um, I just uh, uh, some of the matches were okay. I mean, obviously Cody and Nick were phenomenal. That match yeah. was great. That was my favorite um, match. But like, let's let's start with the two fatal four ways. The first one I thought was really quick, and the second one I thought was kind of sloppy. Now that being said, but Willie Mack was really impressive. You know, even through the the championship match, obviously, and we uh, you know. I really didn't know much about him a month ago, and now I'm really a big fan of his. Uh, the, the two stunners and just his personality was great. Uh, that Sammy Guerva, which we saw at Wrestle Circus um, a 
you know a year and a half ago or so. Uh, he was really impressive, but overall, uh, it, it, you know, those matches just didn't do a lot for me. See, it's so weird because <laughs> in person they seemed longer than when I rewatched it, and it seemed amazing. <laughs> and when I rewatched it, I don't think it. I felt the same way as you did. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know they were good matches. I was right there, right at ringside. <laughs> I don't know. It's really hard because we have two different opinions, but I have heard other people who just rented the show actually love it, even with all the audio problems. So to me, I feel like it was a good kickoff in what the spirit of it was supposed to be. And that's what's really well, important. Yeah. The spirit of the show is what we all have to keep in mind, what they're trying to do with the NWA. And there's a couple big announcements that were made. They're going to have the Cornette Cup, so they're going to have like a tag team tournament. That's going to be really exciting. Who's going to be in it? I can only imagine the different competitors. That should be very exciting. And that's going to happen in 2019. I think that was a big deal. I'm so glad Jazz retained because she's like legit... Hardcore seeming, as we talked about before, a prison guard, very intimidating, and she was brutal in that match. Oh, that that's when she sat down in that camel clutch. The way she, she tore, bent her back so far. <laughs> she, Penelope Ford must be very flexible because she was bent way back, almost to like a ninety degree angle. It was, it was insane. crazy, yeah. Uh, but that match disappointed me too because we saw Penelope Ford do so much at All In when she wasn't even in the match. She was just a valet in that match, and... She still did flips in this match, yeah, the but same not, type of thing. Yeah, but not to the extent it didn't feel like. It, I disagree. I don't know, I just... I disagree. I, I thought, I expected a lot more out of that match as well. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, that being said, I thought it was a good match. I just thought it was going to be great. I really thought it was going to be great. But Jazz was awesome. She was, and I'm, like I said, I'm glad she ended up retaining, because I was questioning, like, are they going to have her retain for longer? And they did, and I'm glad. She even cut a promo saying, like, she could come after Cody, and this was before Cody lost the title, of course, but I think it's kind of cool how she was saying that doesn't matter if you're a woman or not, you know, she should be able to challenge <laughs> for the title. Yeah, I, I did That's like so that. cool. Yeah, no, that's neat. And she seems like she could actually be a contender. Like, it's oh, believable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, she's intimidating, and she was very impressive. And, uh, again, I thought that was a pretty good match. I was, I guess I just had really high expectations after what I saw of Penelope Ford at All In. But I, I just, thought it was good. I thought the whole show, to me, was one of my favorite shows I've been to all year. Not, not All In, okay? It wasn't All In because All In was a once-in-a-lifetime experience for me. It was really special and unique, and we were really supporting the people who were putting it on type mm-hmm. of thing. This, I feel like, was amazing. I had a great time. I saw a lot of, you know, friends there. Special thanks to Dave Hancock for giving me his front row ticket that he (laughs) wasn't able to sell. And I had, like, a good second row ticket, but he let me have the first (laughs) row. And I got some great footage because of him. So thank you so much, Dave. That was awesome. And so that was cool seeing my friends. I think that added to it. And like I said, the spirit's what you should take away from it. I would rate it a 4.5 out of 5 in terms of having fun while being there. And I thought the wrestling quality came off way better in person. I've got so much good footage with different angles than you saw on the broadcast. So you might actually like my footage better than what you actually saw on the broadcast. Because maybe you actually captured some of the action. I did, yeah. (laughs) Well, that was part of the problem is I think... I I felt like I missed some stuff because they missed stuff on the broadcast. The cameras were, you know, there was one point when they were in the crowd, and I granted I get it, it's hard when they go into the crowd. 
That camera guy was completely spinning in a circle. It was making me dizzy watching the match. It's hard to keep up with that. That was crazy. I was, like, going chairs. Um, the concession stand. Yeah. yeah it was crazy. Uh, that was one of my favorite parts ever. I even said to a whole bunch of people afterwards, like, oh, my God, my chair was destroyed. This is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about that main event because it really was really, really good. It was. As much as it seems like I'm being critical of the show, I just thought it was an average show. But this... To me, saved the show because it was such a good match. Uh, I, I, I like you talk about the psychology of matches. Sometimes, I liked how they did that first fall where Cody to save himself because he couldn't get to the ropes taps out. I think that, I loved it, that, and they know, played it up on commentary. Yeah, they did. I thought that was really good. I thought that was the perfect way to start off the match. It made perfect sense. Um, the flow really continued to work very well from there. So yeah, right decision on the way it started and who got the first fall and how that happened. And let me just say this, like a lot of people, this is going to the results of the match, they might be upset that Cody lost it so fast. But to me, if Cody had to lose it for some reason, we don't know where he's going to be. We don't know what's happening. But Aldis is a great champion. A lot of people might criticize him saying, like, well, he's not Cody. He can't bring the eyes. But I don't know. If you think about it, Aldis is the one who kind of started to bring it back into prominence before Cody was even in the picture of challenging for it. Now, All In was a huge part in kind of, like, stepping way up. Well, like, I, you know, doubling the eyes on it. Yeah. But I still think Nick did a lot of this work on his own. And he had this wonderful speech after the match was over, talking about thank you to Cody. You know, let's all give it up for him. Just really classy speech. I got some of it. I'll play some of it, you know, in a minute or two. Just, he's a class act. I don't, he's hard not to like. Yeah. No, I, I think I think having all this hold the belt makes sense. Uh, he needed... The match with Cody at All In, I think, to get more people to know who he was. Now I think people know who he was. Plus, remember, he was so good on commentary on that Ring of Honor Amazing. show. So I think people are getting a sense of his personality now, too. So I think now, him having the belt the second time around, more people are apt to follow it. More people are going to follow 10 Pounds of Gold. And I think... I think all of that is the right move. Yeah, and actually, I've got a little bit of a scoop. If people didn't catch, they had like a press conference after the show was over. And unfortunately, I did not get this on camera. But Aldis teased a Aldis versus Cody 3. But he also teased a future defense against Marty Skrull. Because they're best friends, he says. So how cool would that be, Aldis versus Marty Skrull? I think that would be a phenomenal match. So yeah, I think now that Aldis is more well-known, not that he wasn't known at all, it's just that the all-in thing brought a lot more eyes to what NWA Absolutely. is doing for sure. And now that he's got it for a second time, there's going to be even more prominent people to challenge for the title, like Marty Skrull. Mm -hmm. He's not just anybody. Like, if you look back to when Nick first had it, some of his challengers included, like, James Ellsworth, right. who was a part of the show, and rightfully so, because they had people, a part of the show, that were kind of a part of this resurgence. Tim Storm. Yeah. Tim Storm, Ellsworth, a couple, Crimson, a couple other people as well, and some legends of the NWA, like Magnum TA and, you know, Dory Funk Jr. All that made perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And I like that. They, they care about tradition. They care about the people who have shown them loyalty, obviously, and it's showing. So I just feel like this whole second run for Aldis will be very, very special and even better than before. Well, why don't we play a little bit of the Nick Aldis? Yep. One thing we can always guarantee you is athleticism, 
drama and passion because you all have passion and that's why we want to deliver for you in this ring, in the back, on all of our products, everything we do. You don't have to like me, you don't have to like everybody in the back. We just appreciate the fact that you parted with your money to support the cause and we will continue to deliver for you as long as you're willing to part with your money for us. You're more than happy to do it most of the time anyway, but let's hear it one more time for the American Nightmare, Cody. Yeah. While he goes by the American Nightmare, he very much still believes and embodies the American dream. And my promise to each and every one of you is that every day I hold the 10 pounds of gold, I will do my best to honor the American dream and Dory Funk Jr. and Jack Briscoe and Rick Flair and Harley Race and everybody else who had this belt of pride. So good stuff from Nick Aldis, and uh, we'll see where the 10 pounds of gold leads him uh, next. So uh, let's switch gears. Let's talk uh, the other really big story of the week, Roman Reigns shocks the world on Raw with his announcement at the beginning of the show that uh, leukemia has returned in his life. He had it earlier in his life, thought he had it beat, and has uh, come back. And uh, I appeared on ESPN Radio earlier this week here in New Orleans to talk about kind of the significance of, of everything about it. And I think what makes it such a big deal and why people are talking about it is rarely in the middle of a... a well, first of all, there's how many big names have come out in the prime of their career and had such a, a big announcement like this? I mean, a debilitating. Yeah. I mean, guys have had to retire and, and, mm-hmm. and stuff because of injuries in WWE. But this is something completely different, and it was really different in the sports world. Yeah, we had guys like Eric Berry of the Kansas City Chiefs, but he didn't announce right before a game he had cancer, you know? So, you know, that kind of thing is is rare you know, and I, I'm a little mixed on this, and I wanted to get your opinion on this, too. I have no problem with him coming out and making the announcement, you know, before it got leaked or anything like that. But at the same time, it was kind of, I think it made it really hard on the rest of the locker room to have to go out and perform. I think I really felt like he should have told the locker room a few hours before the show so that they could process it. I mean, Finn Balor came out right afterwards and you can tell he's got tears in his eyes while he's trying to do his mm-hmm. thing on the ramp. I and mean, what did you think about that in particular? I, I find it odd that they, I guess they wanted to keep everyone quiet. They didn't want a chance of any leaks happening before the show. But um, yeah, it's kind of unfair, like you said, because people getting taken off guard and they have to perform for the rest of the night. That's really hard. That's difficult. That's like a huge blow. This is, like, for us as the audience, I even saw people tweet out how hard it was for them to watch the rest of the show, and they don't know him. Right. These are his friends. <laughs> These are his coworkers mm-hmm. that see him all the time. So that's even more difficult. So, yeah, that's a little odd to me that they didn't let him have a private discussion with the locker room. And uh, I felt bad for them because how, how do you just bounce back after that? But they did a great job. i got to give them props because it's a hard situation to deal with, but they got through it. 
we uh, we posted a video on Wrestling Inc. Uh, showing some of the reaction which has come in from around the world, and it it, it has been impressive. Uh, various organizations, various wrestlers, all jumping in to uh, offer support. What I think's the most impressive, which you kind of alluded to, is that it's not just WWE people, past and present. It's Ring of Honor, New Japan, all kinds of different wrestling promotions, all kinds of different wrestlers, just everybody you can imagine. Uh, Madison Square Garden had a billboard up saying, get well soon, Um, you know, talk about... Roman Reigns' previous football team, they yeah, even tweeted. Yeah. Georgia Tech, uh, where he played college football, tweeted about it. Uh, I love the Instagram post from Braun Strowman. I thought that was great, talking about how tough he is. He's one of his best friends in the locker room, even though they've had these epic battles on TV. And uh, Toma Tonga, yeah. I think, was the most surprising tweet because he dropped his gimmick for it, mm-hmm. which I thought was really classy. He's like, gimmicks aside, like, you know, really hope he beats this thing, like, mm-hmm. you know, prayers your way. I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember, right. but he definitely said gimmicks aside, right. Right. which I thought was so cool of him to just drop his gimmick, because he's been playing his gimmick so hard <laughs> oh, God, and yeah. extreme, so that was so cool, of yeah. Tamatonga especially. Now, it was really kind of cool to see some of the posts, you know, the Usos posting the picture of the three of them as kids together, and, Just yeah. the support is, is really nice to see. It's yeah. heartwarming. Yeah. yeah. And... As the show progressed, I guess we got to touch on, so Ambrose and Rollins have to go out and fight for the tag team title. Now, right after the announcement, they came out, they did the Shield thing, both of them crying, I mean, because they obviously were taken off guard by it, too. But then they come back to the end of the show, they win the tag team title after Braun Strowman comes in and beats up Drew McIntyre, which is setting up for a whole different program, which might be interesting. But we kind of, you didn't know if WWE was setting up Something with Dean turning, or if that was just kind of supposed to be a distraction. But he did turn, so what did you think of that? (laughs) People are divided on this. Some people think it's so sleazy. Other people are like, this is wrestling. You're playing on emotion. That's what wrestling is. There's a huge divide among people on this topic. I don't know how to feel. I really don't have an extreme opinion on this. Uh, If they were going to turn him anyway, I guess it didn't matter that they did it that night. And I wonder, I'm sure Roman had to know mm-hmm. that they were going to turn Dean. Right. Not that I necessarily think that they would have ran it by him, though. No. I'm not saying, I hate to be like this, but I don't think WWE is always squeaky clean. No. If well, you remember well, we'll get the, to that in a second. <laughs> if you remember just some of the angles they've done in the past, like using Eddie Guerrero's death in storylines, all kinds of weird stuff they've done in the past. Charlotte Flair stuff about her brother. Well, yeah, and I've heard Ric Flair talk about that. He was like, you know, she really wasn't comfortable with it, but she's new to the company and didn't want to say no at the same time. So at the same time, I'm not really thinking that Roman Reigns was really, like, apt to say no. Like, yeah, use this in the story angle. But I'm not bothered by it at the same time because it's all playing up on emotion and people are so pro-Roman. So it's not like anyone's like, we hate Roman because of the angle. If it was something different to where it would affect how people thought of him, that might be a different story, but it really just makes people like him even more. I don't know. Yeah. I make Dean the bad guy, which is just a character. It's just a story. Right, right. So I don't really have that big of a problem with it, but I do see the other side, too. It is a little shady. <laughs> so Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, they actually had a, a program in the past when Rollins was the one that turned on the shield, and they had some really good matches in the past. So... Obviously, we'll see that in the future. We'll see. Speaking of WWE and sleazy, this whole business in Saudi Arabia 
is just a big mess. Now, we're recording the podcast on Wednesday this week. By the time it airs, things could change. So we're not really going to talk about what they should or shouldn't do, but more talk about what has happened. And some big names have said they didn't want to be a part of it. John Cena, Daniel Bryan, Kane. I mean, what do you think about these guys stepping up and saying, we don't want to be a part of this? I am impressed by these guys. I love that they stood up to this because what's happening is wrong. I hate that they're even going to Saudi Arabia. I think it's unforgivable almost. Like, if I didn't cover WWE, I'd be okay with not watching ever again. (laughs) Not just because of this, because of a lot of reasons, but this would be like the icing on top of the cake already of things that are very frustrating about being a WWE fan. Now, there are some great points about being a fan that pop up every now and then, but it's getting fewer and farther in between, especially when you've got something so sleazy, we're going to use that word again, (laughs) like this. Like, I just don't think they should go there. Stand up to the money. Stand up to... All this stuff, you shouldn't be supporting this government. They're literally killing people. (laughs) We're talking about lives. Right. We're talking about a culture that puts people to death. Yeah. That's extreme. And and look, a lot of people were uncomfortable about the first trip to Saudi Arabia, and that was before any of this. So it's it's impressive to see. I mean, look, John Cena, Daniel Bryan, Kane were all going to have major parts in that show. So for them to stand up and say we're not going to be part of it, very, very impressive. Now, these are the reports. Yes. So, yes. you know, I would love to know more details about everything, <laughs> but only time will tell what's actually going to unfold. There's rumors that Hulk Hogan will be there if it even still happens. Yeah. We just don't know. Yeah. Craziest thing was uh, I also read on uh, Wednesday morning that a lot of the tickets hadn't even gone on sale yet, and the show was a week from Friday. So <laughs> it's all very fluid. That's crazy. Well, let's jump ahead to the uh, other WWE news, and that's Evolution this weekend. Huge, historic event, an all-women's pay-per-view for the first time. There's certainly some good matches in there, but I think you and I are in agreement on the match that's not there that should be and really could push this pay-per-view over the top. Yeah, I'm so surprised that they're not doing Bailey versus Sasha. I think that's a huge mistake, a missed opportunity. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this months and months ago. Like, imagine they are building up this whole thing, they're friends again, just for them to have another falling out right before Evolution, and then we get the singles match we've been waiting for since their NXT days. Mm -hmm. Since it's amazing, you know, TakeOver Brooklyn match that everyone loves. Yeah. Why? Why are they just having them in a random match? Yeah, just a random six-woman tag match that could be on Raw. You know, it's just that... Like, that's not special. I mean, yeah. to me, that's part of the problem with this pay-per-view is it, it there are some special matches. Look, Charlotte and Becky in an iron, first-ever Iron Woman match. That's a big deal. Uh, Nikki, Ronda, I don't know how good that's going to be. I think it could be all right. Obviously, seeing Trish and Lita back together, that's interesting. Uh Look, the NXT t- women's title match. Again, That's what I'm most great. excited yeah. for, honestly, <laughs> is that match because I liked their other match, so their other matches, actually. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to them meeting up again. I love Kyrie Sane. Yeah. I'm really a big fan. And as we've said before, Baszler is like one of the best heels, not only in NXT, not only in the women's division, but in all of WWE as a whole, the whole umbrella of WWE. I think she's so believable as someone who's a very scary, bad heel bad guy mm-hmm. essentially she's awesome and i just love her character so it's going to be an interesting show i'm looking forward to seeing it but i just think it 
I don't know, it leaves me wanting more of what they could have made this first ever show be. I think they could have built it up a lot more. I think there could be more compelling matches. I really yep. I really do. I mean, I, again, you've got all this female talent, and most of it's going to be lumped into this battle royal. And yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. I mean, there's certainly going to be some good matches, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. Well, let's shift gears. We talk about it quite a bit. The artwork that's behind us from the WrestleCon to our uh, custom artwork from All In. And our logo. And our logo itself is from our good friend Eric Hodson. Yeah, he is uh, a great artist. And if you want to find him on Facebook, Eric Hodson's Illustrations, just search for that. On Twitter, it's at Dreaded Dinosaur, which is named after his comic that he does on his own, The Dreaded Dinosaur Man, which we talk about every week. But something big that he's been kind of talking about for a few months, we talked about it back at StarCast when we saw him there. It's this new comic book series that hopefully will go more than just one series. He's hoping that there'll be a launching off and do a longer thing. It's all about Roddy Piper, this first one, and it's called The Kilted Avenger. And it's in, you know, conjunction with Roddy's family. So it's got their blessing, Pro Wrestling Teases involved, and he took the time to tell us all about this exciting project. Plus, something about his background that people might not know you're going to find out a lot about him in this interview. Tell us, you've got some exciting projects coming up, including this new Roddy Piper comic book. Yeah, that's the biggest thing going in my plate right now. And uh, the uh, Indiegogo campaign is uh, in full swing. Got some great uh, preliminary art up there, and I'm working away on the pages as we speak. What got you interested in uh, in Roddy Piper? Uh, his He obviously was a, just a great character on his own, so bringing him... To life in this comic book has got to be fun. Oh, it's absolutely fun. And so it's one of my biggest regrets is he's one of the guys that I always liked that I never got to meet in person before he passed. You know, it was the last opportunity that I had. I had one of those fanstruck moments where I didn't want to bother him. And I figured, okay, well, maybe the next time. And there wasn't any next time. So to be able to be part of this uh, project and uh, working on it is uh, it's a pretty big honor. And I'm really happy to be doing it. And talk about how you also have the blessing of his family, because I think that's a huge deal. People might not realize it's really special that they're endorsing this. Well, yeah, we uh, we pitched the idea uh, to Kitty. Uh, There's this larger idea of trying to come up with a comic book universe where wrestlers are portrayed more as superheroes and have a multiple book with multiple wrestlers and have this one storyline kind of weaving in between them. So this is the first book and what we're going to hope is going to be a long series of these different things and um, Kitty was on board with it and she loved the uh, the preliminary art which you can see on the Indiegogo we're steaming away full speed ahead we got Pro Wrestling Tees as the distributor and they handled the licensing and they were kind of the go-between uh, between Mess Bucket Comics myself and Kitty. Well why don't you give us uh, a, a little thumbnail of what the storyline is about and uh what people can expect in it. This is kind of like an alternate universe scenario. Roddy Piper is a talk show host by day and a vigilante crime fighter at night. And uh, this kind of world that we're carving out, wrestlers are pretty predominant. There's going to be all sorts of guest stars and appearances from some well-known folks. But like I said, it's, it's kind of an alternate universe. It's, it starts out kind of in the 1980s, so we're getting to see a vintage Roddy, you know, with the full uh, mullet of hair, 
Without trying to give away too much of the story, there's a large villain character introduced. Again, this is supposed to be at the beginning of a much larger story that we're going to tell in different books. So you're getting kind of an origin of this villain character. Piper's already been a hero for a number of years prior to this. He's uh, finds out it's somebody he knew. You know, hilarity and action ensues. And there's a really cool kind of a, a, a gotcha cliffhanger ending for the story to where if it doesn't go further than one book, it's still a great standalone book. But we got the door open. We could keep going with the story and move it into uh, different avenues. I think that's a really good plan, and it sounds really intriguing. I've also been keeping up with your social media, and I saw that you're doing a lot of research and that you're trying to put in, like, a lot of references into this book of, like, you know, different Roddy stuff. Can you tell us anything about the references that you're going to be putting in? Well, we definitely, we want this book to be for Piper fans, by Piper fans. That's that's kind of like our, our, our going into this was, like, we want this to be something that people who have loved him for so long are just going to cherish and there's going to be things that will be like in the background and there'll be things that are very overt. There'll be references to some of his favorite matches, some of the movies he's been in, th- things of that nature. We just want to keep it lighthearted. It's going to be kind of like the, well, like comics used to be in the 70s and 80s, you know, more um, good story number one, but not like overly dark or overly sinister, but you know, something fun that the kids can read that their parents are going to enjoy too. Well, this is obviously going to take up a lot of your time, but uh, you got some other projects you're working on as well, or, or is this uh, pretty much an all day affair for you? Well, it's going to end up taking up a lot of my time initially. This is a huge book too. It's 52 pages. Um, so it's going to be a graphic novel, not like a normal comic book. And and I'm, I'm, I'm working out a schedule to where I'm working on that at a steady pace. It gets priority. And then also working on my wrestling fan art. My webcomic, Dinosaur Man, needs some attention. So I'm going to try to be on schedule and schedule different things for different days to where I've got a good, a good, a good production output, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> Sounds but, no, good. The Piper book is the big deal for me right now. So And it's going to be going... For, uh, for at least the next eight months or so. Well, that sounds, again, really impressive. Lots of work ahead, but I'm really eager to see how it's all going to turn out. Tell us how we could support this comic book going forward. Tell us about the campaign. Well, the campaign is rolling right now. We are about 17% funded. Uh, we have a very modest goal of about 6000 and basically what this money is going to do is basically uh, pay our, uh, our wages for the time that it's taking to put the book together. The uh, Pro Wrestling Tees and Kitty, they're taking a big risk on us, so there's no upfront money to pay the bills with from day to day. And, you know, being an artist, you put in a solid eight or nine hour a day, you still got to keep the lights on and keep food on the table. So uh, that's, the, that's the main reason why we're doing the crowdfund is to uh, free up so that I don't have to worry about other things and I can focus on getting the book done on time. And then we've got some great stretch goals where we have some famous artists like Arvel Jones, who's going to do a nice poster print for us. Gus Vasquez, I believe his name is. He's a DC artist, big wrestling fan, and he's going to be, uh, if we made a stretch goal for him, he's going to be also doing some promo art for us as well. You just go to KiltedAvenger.com, or go to Indiegogo and search for Roddy Piper's name. You'll see the campaign there. we got some excellent uh, perks to choose from. Number one, of course, you get a signed book. For $25, signed by both me and the writer. And uh, that's kind of like your entry-level one. But we've got some interesting ones where you can actually be in the book. There's uh, the opening scenes. He's at his talk show. 
and there's lots of scenes where the audience is participating, talking back and forth. You know, they're enjoying the show. We want to put real people, real wrestling fans in that audience, as many as possible. So we do have um, some slots open for that. Uh, at a slightly higher tier, if you want to be one of the bad guy goons that Piper beats up in the main action scenes of the story, you can have that too. And then we have this real top tier one where you can actually be that your face will be the face of the main villain. Um, we threw that in there more for fun because we don't really think, you know, that's that's going to be a big, that's a pretty big ticket item right there. But if somebody wants to be the guy that's uh, taking him on, there's the option. That sounds awesome. And I know you've done that in the past where you've tried to put real people in the audience for uh, some of your comics. Well, you talked about being an artist. At what age did you take an interest in, in art? When did you realize you had this talent? Well, I've always done it ever since I could pick up a pencil. I grew up a farm kid. I was drawing tractors, and my tractors were rectangles with a with a couple of circles in the front and the back, you know, so... Uh, it was just always something that I did. I can't remember. I can't remember any time where I actually decided that I wanted to be interested in it. It was just like it just kind of grew up with me as I grew. Drawing just kind of consumed most of my free time, and I was always I was coming up with my own comics in middle school and high school. And shoot, in middle school I was uh, drawing coloring sheets from friends, making photocopies and selling them at school. <laughs> So uh, uh, that that's uh, that was the first time I actually tried to make money off my art, and of course my teacher shut me down because you can't have capitalism in a school. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's just uh, it's just something that's always been a part of my life, and um, I'm blessed to still be able to do it, even at. 40 years old now. <laughs> Talk about how you kind of meshed your love of comics and art with wrestling. How did that come about? Well, I always loved watching wrestling. It was one of the bonding moments between me and my dad. We would go down to the video store, rent the VHS. For those of you who are millennials or younger, it's this little plastic box that has this magnetic tape in it. You would put that into another metal box, and images would show on your TV. Um, so that was the only way I could ever watch SummerSlam or WrestleMania or anything like that. And I would always look forward to it. And to me, you know, I had a giant box of comics, watching wrestling, watching cartoons. Wrestling was no different than the cartoons and the comics. It was like live-action comic books. So it just kind of clicked in my head, hey, why don't I mix comic book classic covers like Spider-Man 129, the first appearance of the Punisher, with Breath the Hitman Heart. And it just worked, and people love it. And uh, I've grown a significant fan base that just loves that. So I try to churn a new one out about every month, and uh, right now i got about 35 with another six that are in various stages of development. So it's been good. It's been, it's been, it's been wonderful, and I truly enjoy seeing the uh, people's faces when they make the connections because sometimes it's like a nostalgia trivia. You know, what, oh, what one is that referencing? Or, well, what match was that? Because... I don't just like throw stuff in there. I try to put storylines and matches, specific characters, things that the fans are really going to connect with. And um, it's, it's a lot of fun to put those puzzles together. 
Oh, Kelsey is one of those millennials you referred to, whereas I, I am plenty old enough to uh, actually remember Betamax. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, a lot of people may not know, you know, this isn't easy for you. You, you have a physical challenge that you have to uh, contend with in doing this artwork. Just talk a little bit about that and, and how you've worked around that, I guess, basically. Well, I started having some health problems in college. Uh, I went to art school here in Detroit, uh, where I'm still living. And I started having what was called Renaud's phenomenon, where your body thinks it's freezing to death when you catch a chill, draws all your blood out of your extremities to try to save your heart. Kind of like if you're uh, freezing to death in the ocean or something, it would, it would do the same thing. Only this is because I took some frozen waffles out of the freezer. And it was a complete mystery as to why this uh, type of illness was with me for a couple of years. And then I started having other manifestations. I got a doctor to finally diagnose me with scleroderma, which is Latin for hard skin. It's an autoimmune disease. You know, one of these where your body's trying to kill you from the inside. And it's got a lot of qualities to it, like rheumatoid arthritis, where the bones and joints just kind of freeze up. So my hands are in weird shapes. All my fingers are all kind of contorted. I can barely hold things. Um, I can't uh, do common tasks very easily. If you wanted to simulate it, just tape all your fingers together and try to pinch everything between your index finger and your thumb. And that's kind of like what my right hand is capable of. My left hand is all wonky. It doesn't do hardly anything useful. Um, except bash into things and get sores on the fingers. Anyway, this kind of progressed from college into my adult life, and it's plateaued probably within the last 15 years where things haven't really gotten worse. We just kind of watch my internal organs see that there's nothing else going on. I'm at risk for a throat cancer, uh, so I get that checked out every four years. Internal organ failure is common, so... I regularly get stress tests, you know, breathing tests, make sure my lungs are functioning because one of the diseases, this is like with scleroderma, it's multiple little diseases that kind of work together. So it gets misdiagnosed like as uh, Lyme disease or MS. There's a few others, and it can be hard to diagnose it. So it's one of those things where you really got to find a doctor who knows about it to be able to diagnose it. I was blessed to be able to have a doctor who has been with me since the very beginning has taken very good care of me so throughout that whole process of learning what this disease was watching it change my body um, i had to kind of reteach myself to draw and necessity is the mother of invention so my brain figured out ways to get around it i can still hold a pencil pen or now a computer stylus and use more of my arm other than that, I do uh, clean living, healthy eating, and DDP yoga to try to stay limber and get some more usability out of my stiff joints. You know, I'm still functional enough to do drawing at, uh, like I said, I'm 40 years old now. I've been dealing with this since just into my 20s. Wow, I think it's just 
incredible how great your art is and how you've learned to manage this and hopefully you're spreading awareness by you know letting people know about this they might actually think that it's something else and your story is just really positive and we really appreciate you telling us about it and hopefully somebody can take some comfort and we could spread more awareness about it but finally to wrap it all up I want to end on like a really positive note do you have a favorite wrestling piece that you've done so far <laughs> Uh, some of my, my favorites are also a lot of everybody else's favorites just because they click so well. I would think about the Finn Balor one, which is based on Jack Kirby's The Demon, so it works on so many different levels. The colors, the posing, everything just turned out just right in that one. Of course, the Fantastic Four Horsemen, I mean, that's still like the number one among most fans. The Kane one, the um, phenomenal uh, Undertaker, the, uh, the Hulk Hogan one. So yeah, those are probably some of my top ones. And just uh, in doing this, I've gotten to become friends and meet a lot of different wrestlers. Met Chris Jericho. I'm, uh, I'm pretty good speaking terms with Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, it's just been a true a true blessing to be able to. And, uh, and it's just, uh, it's provided some opportunities. If I wasn't doing the wrestling fan art, I wouldn't have got the opportunity to be drawing Roddy Piper in a 52-page comic book. Well, it's all incredible, and uh, trust me when I tell you, I look around the apartment, and, and there's a lot of the evidence of your great talent hanging on the walls in this apartment. So uh, we appreciate you being such a great friend of the show, and we love your artwork so much. Thanks. And everybody, go to KiltedAvenger.com, or like I said, Google, uh, go to Indiegogo and look up Roddy Piper's name. You'll see the campaign right there. Uh, by the time this airs, I will have updated the campaign with some new art pieces that have, are getting finished, and uh, so the page will look a little bit spiffier. Eric is an extraordinarily talented artist and uh, really a great friend of the show, and it was uh, really nice to have that extended talk with him, and best of luck to him on this new project, which we know he's going to knock out of the park. Yeah, please pledge <laughs> if you can. I mean, it's a great project, and I think it's worth your support. He's a great guy. Well, coming up, we are going to... Uh, talk more about something that is historic and that is the Jericho cruise. Kelsey's going to be there and we're going to hear from some people that are going to be on the cruise, maybe talk about the matches and also talk about the uh, significance of Chris Jericho. We've got some uh, listener input on that. And we want to remind you that uh, every week on Tuesdays, we drop the pop and wrestling connection. If you haven't checked out this week's, we recast wrestlers into horror movie roles up in the air, though, for next week, whether we will actually do one on Tuesday kind of depends on your schedule. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the cruise is going to be like. It's going to be jam-packed, and we'll talk a lot more about this in the next segment. But uh, it's up in the air. If I can get enough cruise people to talk to me about a certain topic, and I could somehow throw together a pop in wrestling, I'll try my best. But I really can't promise anything because I don't even know how the Internet's going to be. <laughs> so you guys just bear with us. We might not have a pop in wrestling on Tuesday, but I implore you. If you haven't checked it out already, check out our pop and wrestling from this last week about the horror movies, like Paul said. It was so creative. Like, the, the listener and viewer submitted answers. I loved them so much. We had people talking about Cody Rhodes being in a horror movie. Bray Wyatt, Broken Matt. Suzuki was mentioned multiple <laughs> times. You and me, our answers, I think that was some of my favorites, yeah. too. Yeah, well, of course, because they were ours. <laughs> yeah, so we talked about all kinds of horror movies from The Shining all the way to Pet Cemetery, Tons of different types of stuff. And more than just Stephen King. Those were two Stephen <laughs> yeah. Kings. Yes, there were. There were others other than Stephen King. So make sure you check that out. That is on Wrestling Inc. and all of the, uh, the platforms that you normally find us on. But when we come back, we're talking Jericho Cruise. 
St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great, full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Welcome back to Two-Face Wrestling Talk, and now we're going to talk about me sailing away, man. <laughs> I'm going to be on the Jericho Cruise, and we're going to talk about how historic this whole idea is, and really kind of how much of a revolutionary that Jericho is, not only as a wrestler, but as a performer in so many different avenues. He's just crazily talented, really a, a revolutionary in terms of just changing things up and uh, always doing something different. Yeah, he uh, he's he's reinvented himself so many times, right? He's been a heel, he's been a face, he's been in all of these different promotions. There's talk that he may go to Impact at some point. Yeah, rumors. I mean, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. He is, uh, and of course, he's a rock star too. So of course, uh, he is tr tremendous. And this endeavor, not unlike All In, is is a huge risk for him. Yeah, uh, it's been well received. I think you pointed out there's one thing that's kind of a negative about this and that it's uh it's not as special cuz it's going to be on pay-per-view when yeah. when when you were hoping it was going to kind of be like you know, only people on the cruise would know what was happening. Yeah, would see it, you know. So that I was all excited like I could report on stuff like <laughs> that nobody knows is happening yeah. and I don't know. So now it's like everyone's just going to see it just like they would any pay-per-view. Yeah, but still regardless uh there are some uh, good matches. Let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, there's some matches we wouldn't normally see. I'm really excited about the Impact ROH crossover matches. Mm -hmm. That's something really special. So you've got Skrull versus Sammy Callahan. You know how I feel about Sammy Callahan. <laughs> He's my favorite person in all of Impact. I know you guys are probably sick of hearing me <laughs> talk about him week after week. He's my favorite. <laughs> I just love him so much. And to see him get all brutal with somebody who has such a great character like Skrull, just really excited. I yeah. think it's going to be special. I mean, I, I talked about it all the way back when we uh, had the conference call with them. Uh, LAX versus the Young Bucks is going to be awesome. That's going to be ph phenomenal. And it's something like LAX is actually really excited about it because Young Bucks is one of the only teams they haven't faced. So when you've got a team that is really amped up for facing somebody else, I think it's going to make it even better when both teams kind of want to prove they're going to have a great match together and they've never had one before. And then so, yeah. you, you've got the tournament called the Sea of Honor. That should be uh, uh, interesting. There's some good matches in there. Adam Page versus Kazarian. Obviously, they've got a great history. Uh, Christopher Daniels is in it. Dalton Castle, Matt Taven. So. The Briscoes. I can't <laughs> wait. I hope they you know go towards the finals. Yep. Kenny King, Jay Briscoe. That could be really good. Yeah, I can't uh, wait. And then, obviously, one of the highlight matches is going to be uh, Alpha Club versus Bullet Club. Who's involved in that? Yeah, you've got Cody, Skrull, and Kenny Omega versus Jericho and the Young Bucks. It's going to be insane because, as we know, Jericho and Omega have had, like, tension in the past. Obviously, they had a whole Wrestle Kingdom match against each other. And actually, when I was at the New Japan show in California, I took the time to ask Kenny Omega about Jericho and about being on the cruise and the tension that they've had previously. But first, I want to address the fact that she attacked me for no gosh darn reason. Yes, he's got a belt. So do I. Yes, he's got a cruise. I'm going to be on it. 
The match has been decided. It's not a singles. But Jericho still feels like he has something to prove. I escaped from the skin of my teeth at the Tokyo Dome. I don't feel like I'm better than Jericho. I feel like I barely escaped with my life. Jericho put the hurt on me more than anyone else has in my career. Maybe even more than Ishii. And he proved that he still has a place in this business. At the top of the ladder. I would go so far as to say as, even though I've won, Jericho was one of the top of the men on my list to address and issue a championship defense match against. But, that's a discussion for another day. So, a historic uh, cruise organized by Chris Jericho, and it got you thinking and, and, and got our listeners involved on some of their favorite Jericho moments. Yeah, a few months ago I put the question out, like, you know, let me know some of your favorite Jericho points in history, some things that he's done in his career that is your favorite. But first, like, let's talk about some of ours um, before we get to the listeners. What's some of your favorite Jericho moments? Well, recently, or sort of recently, the the, the whole program with Kevin Owens, where they were friends. I and, love that. And, and then the... The, the festival of friendship, you know, how, how that all broke down, and then they had great matches as well. Uh, that obviously is is one of the, his most recent WWE memories. But yeah. obviously breaking on to the scene, you know, confronting The Rock, and then he eventually wins the unified title be, uh, from Rock and Stone Cold and what was still one of my favorite matches of all time just because – you had these three mega stars and, yeah. and and everything it entailed. And for I watching it, I didn't think there was any way Jericho would be the one that walked away. I know away that's why with, I think people love it, it so yeah. much. So and he was genuinely emotional about it. So uh, that's definitely one of my favorites, if not my favorite. I mean, I really love that too. I love that moment, but I also really enjoy his whole feud with Shawn Michaels. And I'm not a Shawn Michaels fan. No. So, like, that tells you how much I liked how it turned out. That was, I think, in, like, 2008. And my favorite was when they had the match. It was the ladder match. And Jericho's tooth, like, broke off, partially, I think. And then he just, at the end, turns and does this bloody smile <laughs> best part of the whole match and i love that so that's why i have a soft spot for that part um also i'm kind of biased i guess because i love new japan so much but going from list jericho in wwe which already was him reinventing himself from before right from his last wwe run the list stuff was so popular but to yet again go to new japan and completely amp things up and go a totally different direction than the kind of silly funny list jericho he went into a brutal realistic kind of intense chris jericho one that we haven't seen yeah, very raw since <laughs> exactly something that we haven't seen from him since like the attitude era or the ruthless aggression era even so I think this was a, a lot different, and it was kind of like a callback to something old, but he did it in a new way, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And that's why I love his New Japan stuff. It doesn't matter if it was Omega or Naito. Because actually, I, I think I like the Naito match better, because it was just so brutal, and I really, we talked talked about it before, but the uh, tripod. Yes. The tripod spot where he literally, like, just <laughs> as hard as he can, he throws that tripod onto Naito. Poor Naito. Yep. yep. That was insane. That was great. So uh, those are our favorites. Let's uh, get some of your favorites, and we'll start with at TGI Friday 73. 
when he called Trish Stratus a filthy, dirty, disgusting, skanky, brutal, bottom-feeding trash bag hoe. I still remember my teacher's disgust that my parents let me watch such a program when I used it the next day. 100% their fault, not you, Chris. So then we've got at Near Fall Network, Jericho once beat both The Rock and Still Cold in the very same night. Never forget GOAT, just like you, yep. Paul. Yep, that was awesome. Uh, from at Red Rebel of Death, his moments with Stephanie backstage especially. Yeah, the, yeah, stuff the insults, Steph- you oh, know. The, the making fun of her uh, augmentation, yeah, shall we say. <laughs> and then we've got PCH Nilbog. I loved his feud with China, and his festival of friendship was pure gold. It was. It yeah. Was, it was tremendous. And yeah, his China stuff, I liked a lot too. I forgot about that. At Metal underscore 2006, the CM Punk versus Jericho 2012 match, series and storyline. Punk feud because I was there in 2012 for Mania and Extreme Rules when they fought great match series. Recent would be his Omega and Naito feuds. He is the best in the world at what he does, and he backs it up. I got to agree with that because time and time again, he just changes it up, even when you think there's no way he could do something new. Like after, like I said, the list. How could he go from there? And he did. It's just incredible. It really is mind-blowing. So then we've got Zelanthus 89 I love the Survivor Series between WWE and ECW slash WCW, where he and The Rock kept feuding. That led to Jericho becoming the first ever Undisputed Champion, like you said. At Kerala... 86, I've got a couple of fave matches involving I Am Jericho. They are Hell in a Cell against Triple H, again against Triple H, the last man standing match that they had. Yeah, great choices. At the underscore 31, Jericho over Triple H in the false finish. Great choices so far. Then we've got at Robert M922. I remember when he started his first heel turn in WCW. Now this is going back a ways, obviously. He went from look at this guy to holy... Look at this guy. My favorite moment was when he interviewed Malenko's picture during their feud. <laughs> Great stuff. I do remember that. I forgot all about that. That was funny. Uh, let's go to at Dire Donkey. I loved it when he read the list of all of his 1,001 moves. I really like that too, actually. It's some <laughs> classic Jericho, old school. Uh, here's one that agrees with you. Yeah, at Emerus says his feud with Shawn Michaels back in 2008 was some prime Jericho. And like you said, that's my pick, so I totally agree. At Donald Gold KY, his match from Slamboree 1998, Cruiserweight Battle Royal, and Cyclope versus Jericho, all-time favorite <laughs> feud and payoff the whole year leading up to it was worth watching. That's something i got to admit I'm not familiar with. So, but Go we back did. and watch it. Yeah, I guess I'll have to. All right, so our next one comes from at OC Steve SDS. Sunday Night Heat episode where it was Perry Saturn versus Jericho for the European Championship. Ah, I remember Sunday Night Heat. At first to third, I think his feud with Dean Malenko for the WCW Cruiserweight title was some of my favorite Jericho. And uh, at DKM. FWTX says he'd have to agree. All right, and then finally we've got at Ryan Foley underscore 710 idiot split promo on Hardcore and Crash Holly. He loved. (laughs) Uh, So some great stuff from Jericho, and really there wasn't much from Jericho uh, and still isn't that I don't like. It's crazy how wide of a range all those people covered. Mm-hmm. So that just tells you what a career that somebody could literally go from like 1990s to 
2018, and there's all kinds of highlights throughout the whole time. That says a lot about Jarko, who he is as a performer, and we didn't even touch on the things he's done outside of the ring. You know, best-selling author. Now he's like a cruise pioneer, <laughs> um, but also lead singer and musician. Crazy. Yeah, the band Fozzy. Breaking uh, records, yeah, doing well. Yeah, not just like a little side project, like, hey, I've got a band. These guys are wildly successful and have done very well commercially selling records. Also, a great podcaster. Yeah. And speaking of his podcast, if you guys really want to get amped up for his cruise, he just released a whole episode about behind-the-scenes stuff all about how the cruise came to be, stuff that should have came to be about the cruise but never happened, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of great behind-the-scenes details. I really recommend checking it out. I haven't even finished the whole thing, but, you know, over halfway into it, it's fascinating. And actually, he was talking about how the cruise could have been out of New Orleans. Flippin' man, I wish. That would have been so easy for me. I have to fly to Miami instead. So that would have been nice, but oh well. Well, speaking of the cruise, obviously it's centered around wrestling, but there's entertainment. There's uh, musical entertainment, uh, the band Cherry Bomb. There's the uh, Australian ACDC uh, all-female band. Some which... of our favorite comedian guys are there. Yep. Yep. The Impractical Jokers. Yep, yep. I love them so much. I'm so excited. And another one is uh, Ronald Funches, and you got a chance to interview him at All In and talk all about the cruise. So let's listen to that interview now. My uncle would take me to the Rosemont Horizon, and I saw, like, Hulk Hogan versus Earthquake and, like, all these stretcher matches and, and the Road Warriors. And, and uh, since I was five, I grew up in, like, just a house. I was raised by my mom. And so I just house just full of ladies, and wrestling was always kind of my like this is my man thing, but it's for everybody. <laughs> it really is. Um, I'm so excited. You're actually going to be on the Jericho cruise. I think that's kind of just like this weekend with All In and Starcast. That's another revolutionary thing that's happening in the wrestling world. Very unique, very cool. Tell me your thoughts about being part of that. I'm just so excited to a go on a cruise. That seems like fun, yeah. and then it seems like a lot of fun to go on a cruise with a bunch of wrestlers and wrestling fans and watch a bunch of wrestling, which is what I would do anyway. So it seems like a great time because usually when I'm on vacation, I'm like, okay, I gotta go have fun and go out, but I kind of want to stay home and watch wrestling anyway, but now I get to do both. It's the perfect combination, you know, Absolutely. we're so lucky to be able to go. I think it's great for couples, even if you have somebody who doesn't like wrestling, you can go on water slides and stuff, and I'm going to be watching the Briscoe Brothers. Exactly. <laughs> who wouldn't want to see the Briscoes? So he is a funny dude, and uh, we really appreciate him coming by the table at All In and doing that interview with you, and now we look forward to the cruise, and it really should be quite entertaining. Yeah, I mean... The matches. That's going to be the best part of the whole thing. But, you know, I'm looking forward to the impractical jokers. <laughs> I can't wait. That's I'm almost, almost as excited about the wrestling as that. And we touched a lot on Jericho. Uh, but uh, we may do an extended segment. We had talked about doing a whole show. Maybe in the not-too-distant future, maybe we'll de debut an, uh, another episode of uh, Super Kicking at Old School where we talk about Jericho's career. Yeah, because I really wanted it to be all episode long, all Jericho, where we literally go back and watch a ton of his matches. Not that I haven't seen a lot of them, because I've seen a ton, but I wanted to rewatch them with fresh eyes and really analyze them in depth. But unfortunately, we just ran out of time with this crazy month. But yeah, look for that in the future, I hope. All right. And that's going to do it for uh, this episode of Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. Next week, we will talk about all the uh, great stuff from the cruise. We'll talk about Crown Jewel 
And uh, we'll get caught up maybe a little bit on New Japan as well. And again, follow us at Two Face Pod, T W O F A C E D P O D, to keep up with everything we're doing. I'm at Super Kicking It. Paul's at P Boron 88. And yes, we'd love to interact with you as much as we can. But we thank you for taking the time to either listen or watch us if you're watching on YouTube. We appreciate you. That's the finish. Thank <laughs> you.